Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. Okay, welcome to another episode of People with Purpose. Uh, today, I'm joined by Dr. Fred Moss, uh, who is um, a, uh, a a long-serving uh, healthcare uh, practitioner, um, but who really is, um, you know, keen to emphasise the importance of of human connection and wants to create. An authentic healing experience um, and process for people, um, and he's also the creator of a methodology which I'd really like to explore, which is the True Voice methodology to help people tap into their uh, most um, authentic selves. So, uh, Dr. Fred, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's really great to be here. Thanks for having me as a guest. It's an honor. Oh, it's a real, real privilege to have you have you on. And uh, yeah, so so True Voice. Uh, what, what is True Voice? Yeah, that's a really great question. Thanks for asking. You know, the true voice is something that's developed over time. And basically what I realized is that most of us are not using our true voice. So true voice is what most of us are not using. And that's one of the definitions of it. So we know that. We know that we're actually saying things, uh, you know, pretending to be people that we, um, you know, pretending to be somebody that we're not in order to protect the person that we are. And we know we're not speaking when we should. And we know that when we do speak, we're often muffled or stifled and not saying what we really want to say. That's the opposite of true voice. What true voice is, is the emanation of an authenticity, of a genuine nature that comes from our core heart, that comes from our honest and goodness values, that comes from our true self. And that voice is an effort to actually speak, which is really important to us, speak what's on our mind, to be honest, to be authentic, and to be genuine. And most of us have really uh, ducked that under the rug or have found a way to put cobwebs or rust or dust all over that. And we're not speaking our true self. We're instead being that who we think we should be, like in order to keep our job or to keep our friends or to make sure that we don't um, cause too much disruption. What the true voice methodology does is wipe away some of those things that are in the way of rediscovering who our true selves are and offer the opportunity for my clients to actually express that which is most important to them. Okay, because I, I, I quite often find that actually I've, I recently recorded a, a podcast episode uh, where I was talking about the fact that when I... Uh, start my day doing something that makes a contribution towards the things that I value the most. I generally have that good feeling and that carries me through, exactly. you know, sees me through till lunchtime. Uh, and when I don't do that, the opposite occurs. Um, is, is that a common feeling that people have, do you think? I, I think so. I think most of us have really learned how to do that over time. We learned it as children. We learned how to exaggerate or how to fabricate. And we did so for like the short term gains. And then we got those short term gains. You know, if I made up a story, I could actually, um, you know, get a bigger lollipop or not get myself in trouble. And we never went back and repaired that crack in the cement. So it's gotten bigger and bigger over time and it's become part of our adult personality. And so many of us actually wake up and do things that are misaligned with who we know ourselves to be 
And then we're left with that yucky feeling of being non-resonating or non-harmonizing with our true self. <laughs> and we know who our true self is. You already just referenced that. We can we can tell when we're not being authentic. We, you know, some people think, well, how do I know if I'm being authentic? Like, which is really a question of have I really fooled myself enough to not even have a clue of when I'm being authentic? And truth is, you know when you're resonating with your true self, when you're doing something honest, honestly and genuinely and authentically towards a higher goal. Mm -hmm. So are you saying then that people uh, learn these things when they're really, really young and then carry them with them unchallenged? In some ways, yes, unchallenged. Why would we challenge them? They actually work. They just became part of our personality. Mm. And then we get into the workplace or we get into, you know, important, stressful um, family situations or whatever kind of interpersonal um, challenges that we have. And we choose to go there. There's so many people who don't speak up when they know they have something to say or actually to only say a muffled version of what it is that they really want to contribute or in even worst case scenario, actually say things that even they don't believe in order to stay aboard. So take it to take a, um, a, um, a real kind of domestic example. So you're, you're a parent of a child, the child won't do their bit to do the washing up, uh, do the dishes, whatever it might be. So you always find yourself doing the dishes for the whole family, uh, mumbling to yourself, but getting cross about it. I haven't got time for this, all that sort of stuff, but you do it anyway. You do it anyway. You do it anyway. Is that the kind of pattern of behavior you're talking about? Yeah, that's a little bit of it. Or, you know, you're sitting in a boardroom and for the 25th time that person has brought something up that you don't agree with, that you know could be done better, or you know you have a contribution to add that would make things even easier or more effective or more efficient. And you choose not to say it again for fear that you're going to be dismissed or dis, you know, or, or um, thrown off the Island in some way. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's take it into a professional context. Then uh, if there's somebody that you're working with, who uh, has got a habit of saying um, the same thing over and over again, you know, making the same point repeatedly until it gets through. Um, and you, you know that someone should be saying something. How do you work out who's the right person in the room uh, to express their true voice if no one's saying something and everyone's just letting it go? Mm -hmm. So can you uh, help me with the question again? So if you've got a situation, say, where, so there's, so, there's one person on a team who 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 basically always makes the same point he's always say yeah. for example uh you know blaming the operations department for uh failing to deliver the to the, the, cust the customer deliveries okay, okay. And, and everyone knows that it's not always the operations department's fault sometimes there are right. different reasons for it but this guy or gal keeps repeating the same thing over and over again but nobody says anything you know right. who who's who's Letting the side down, if you like, by not expressing their true voice in that scenario. Well, you would say that all the rest of the team, you know, if they all know that they have a contribution that could move the needle forward, then it is them who is actually not expressing their truest self. Now, expressing it, let's let's look at what expressing true self really is. Expressing true self isn't just a matter of saying what's on your mind and getting it off your back. Expressing your true self is a function of listening for what is being called for in a particular context. 
that might be like, what is the other person really saying? And how can you move the needle forward? How can you advance the conversation with what it is that you have to contribute with your truest voice? And that's really important. So a big, maybe even the biggest feature, the biggest component, the biggest prerequisite of delivering true voice is actually in the realm of listening, listening for what's being called for and then moving, you know, and that and in that case, you can see that even silence is a way of expressing oneself in certain situations. Silence is the right answer and is the right answer as a way of expressing oneself. There are points when you're talking to someone, if they stay silent, they are saying something quite loud hmm. and that's OK. Or there's other ways to express self, too. In different situations, you might want to use alternative methods that don't really include verbal verbal interaction. So there might be like art or music or dancing or singing or drama or cooking or writing or gardening, different creative ways to actually self-express that also go into um, human connection, that also go into speaking one's true voice. Mm -hmm. um, and in this scenario where this operation, this this, this guy keeps blaming operations, mm -hmm. um, it, would, that, would that guy be thinking that they're actually expressing their true voice by saying what they're saying? That that you, that if they're just sitting there letting him go, you mean? No, no, no. If, him... So the person who's saying it, the person who's saying it, is the only yeah. person who's talking. They just happen right. to be repeating the same, <laughs> the same yeah. kind of re thing, re rhetoric, if you like. Um, if if they feel that they're expressing their true voice, well, again, they may feel that they're expressing their true voice, but it, it, more than likely, this is a. Um, you know, this is a facsimile of their true voice. This is not really what they have to say. If they have to repeat it over and over again, there's something about uh, them feeling unheard and thereby continuing to, you know, bang the same nail over and over again with the same hammer. Yeah. And that no longer really is the flow of what true voice is. Now, if they feel like they're on, on, they're not being heard for what it is, you know, it isn't a matter of blaming operations for the delivery not taking place. That's not really necessarily what true voice is. True voice is really something that comes from within, like what he's experiencing inside of that interaction with his team might be even more interesting. Mm. Like I'm noticing that I'm the only one talking or I'm noticing that no one's listening or I'm noticing that operation continues to screw up despite what I say. Yeah. And this is how my experience is. If he starts speaking towards his experience, that is closer to speaking to what I'm what I'm um, pointing to with respect to genuine, authentic, true voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as and as a, as a as a leader, if you if you're uh, if you've got somebody like that in your team, actually, when you say about taking a different approach, the, the, the temptation can be to say nothing, uh, and then you're not expressing your true voice. The temptation could then be to go all the way to the other end of the scale, perhaps, and to kind of take it on and confront it. You always say that, you know, you're always, you know, b b blaming others or whatever. Whereas perhaps a, a middle ground and perhaps a more helpful way of doing it is to is to ask a question, you know, so what's the reason why you think um, it's always down to operations? And, and is, is that is that a way that you can use your true voice to maybe pull out somebody else's? Exactly. That's really great. So you can use inquiry, you know, you can use exploration and curiosity to draw somebody out into what's really happening there. And now, when you do that, you might want to notice that it's up to you, the inquirer, to create a space of authenticity and know that you need to be coming from an authentic self as well. 
So um, if you create the same playground where you're being authentic and not being sort of underhandedly vindictive, hmm. you know, sometimes you might be like just showing off in front of the crowd, like, yo, why do you keep saying that same shit? You know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's not the same as being kind and generous and offering an authentic pathway. Yeah. But if you're authentic in your pathway as well, and you create the playground that allows for authenticity to reign, then you're more likely to bring that out in an inquiry or in a ex, you know, in a exploration or a curiosity hmm. uh, from that other person. And you might get an authentic answer that is more consistent with their honest to goodness core values. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, that, that genuine curiosity, I suppose you've got to set aside. Um, actually don't set it aside. So I'm thinking out loud now, if, if you as an individual take responsibility for the fact that you've allowed this person to make the mm -hmm. same observation 25 exactly. times, then I guess you're not having to calm down because you're taking responsibility yourself, I guess. And then you can approach it then with a genuinely curious. Exactly. Okay. Wow. This yeah. Is... There's no space for being a victim in that situation. It's been a dance for the last 24 times. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're done with dancing right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, now's the time yeah. to work out if I want to carry on dancing anymore or not. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Okay, so that's really helpful. So so what kind of things are in people's pasts or people's history that 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 drive them towards this kind of behavior where they're yeah that they're, they're not really using their true voice? Well, it's been going on for years and you'd say decades or even centuries. It's even heaven, Henry David Thoreau said, you know, the mass of men will go to their grave when, or the mass of men live lives of quiet desperation and then go to their graves with their songs still in them. So it's something that's been going on for quite a while. And, it, um, you know, what happens when I start asking that question, when I give keynote speeches or something about this, then uh, people come up with the one word, one important word, pretty, pretty uniformly. And it's a it's a four letter word that starts with F. But it's not the word you think. Okay. It's fear, <laughs> okay. you know, yeah, yeah. and and people are afraid. They're afraid to be disruptive. They're afraid to make a nuisance of themselves. They're afraid that they're going to make things worse. They're afraid that they're going to be misheard. Hmm. They're afraid then that they're going to be canceled or they're going to be dismissed. And so they don't speak their true self. And that that's an experience we all have. You know, even when you raise your hand early on in a um, in an elementary school setting and you come up, you know, oh, 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 I know the answer. Eight times seven is 54. And then your whole class just laughs at you. And then you learn that no, you're not going to do that anymore. You know, so you're not going to speak up. You're not going to raise your hand because the class laughs at you. Mm. And, um, you know, we learn behaviors like that as a child, and then it gets baked into our personality. And we then choose either not to speak our honest self, not to step into what we think we know or what contribution we might have for fear of the uh, impact of the negative impact we might make. And we start thinking that being silent is a better way to go through life or pretending to be someone that we're not is a smarter strategy than being someone who we really are. Mm. And does this f affect um, successful people? I think so. I think you're looking at this across the board. I think you see even in the form, you know, however you're describing success, if you're describing it as wealthy people or people are, you know, in the upper class or whatever, I think what you're saying is 
a lot of these people got to their so-called success by doing what they should rather than being who they are. A lot of these people followed the rules all the way to the success train. And if you talk to these people, some of them who have really healthy bank books or who are well-known in society, some of them are remaining totally miserable because nobody actually knows them. Mm. They don't feel heard. And then one thing that we want more than anything in this world, and I think I'm speaking to, you know, as a generalization for all 8 billion of us, is that we want to be heard for who we are. We want to make an impact for who we are. But how are we going to be able to be making an impact for who we are if we can't even speak our truest self? If we don't speak our true self, no one will ever hear us. And if we don't speak our true self, certainly no one will ever know us. And that's part of the issue here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, so what are the most common uh, sort of characteristics, if you like, that, 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 that you see in your clients that you help with this situation? Um, and, I think... Uh, yeah, go on and answer that question. Go on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go ahead and you can complete the question. Well, I was just going to say, and, and and what and what what do you think causes that? You know, is is there a kind of a theme on, for example, uh, you know, being a people pleaser or or something like that? I, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think what people tend to do is people tend to be silent in situations where they know they should speak. Hmm. And that can be in family situations or work situations or community situations where they know they have something to say that would actually move the needle towards a direction that they desire. And they choose not to do so. They choose to actually sit still, to stay stifled or to stay muffled, to stay stymied or silenced. They choose to actually go in that direction for, again, feeling like they're protecting themselves in some way doing what they should, being a good person, not agitating, not confronting, not um, not being authentic uh, directly with another person. The unfortunate part about this is it doesn't even work. So not only does, you know, it doesn't even work, you're still going to be dismissed. You're still going to be hated. You're still going to be disregarded. You're still going to be canceled, even if you pretend to be somebody that you're not. So it doesn't even protect people. It's not even an adequate protection mechanism. But we do do that. And there is a certain, you know, a certain tendency to um, even then water down what we say so we don't give our true opinion. And you probably have podcast guests who have done that as well. People who are not as authentic as others who are just kind of going through the motions and saying whatever a lawyer is supposed to say or what a writer is supposed to say or what a doctor is supposed to say or what a fireman is supposed to say. You know, and instead of saying what's really there for them inside of their basic humanity. Mm. And, you know, that's why the brand Welcome to Humanity got um, its birth was this whole idea that each and every aspect of being a human is as sacred as another. Even the uncomfortable aspects are just as sacred as the as the beautiful ecstatic aspects of being a human and grasping that and embracing that is a challenge for most of us. We tend to want to we think that agreeing with someone is a way of avoiding conflict when in fact the best way to avoid conflict is to be authentic with someone you know that's even more effective i would say that authenticity trumps agreement all day every day okay wow so um how how yeah well i think that you know have you ever noticed that when someone has a different opinion than you 
uh, like they're diametrically opposed, maybe about one of the issues that are out in the world these days that are, you know, creating such great polarity. Maybe they think this or that about this or that, about climate change or about COVID or about um, racism or about whatever they think about the government. If they're actually speaking from their authentic self, have you noticed that you're actually you remain curious about what they have to say? You're actually interested in them. When they're being authentic, even if they're diametrically opposed in the content, you're actually uh, can be compelled to be curious about what their next thing is that they're saying. At the same point, someone can be in agreement with you and kind of just duck under and say, yeah, what he said, you know, and sort of be aligned with you and not be speaking from their heart. And they're entirely dismissible. So when someone's authentic, that's what's really, um, you know, that's what's really attractive to most humans. Mm -hmm. And the, and yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? As well, because sometimes you you come across people who have very strong views about all of these issues, but they but they won't listen to any alternative view. They they believe that's that right. they're that they're right, and it's as simple right. as that. Is that authenticity? Right. No, that's not authenticity, of course. So you know, the idea is to be open to and to be listening. So it's not just a matter of having an opinion and being unwavering about it. That's not necessarily authentic. Mm. Authenticity, uh, you know, also includes being open and listening to what the world is, what the context is calling for. What is that person that you're with? How can you move the conversation forward? And I like to think that authenticity is, you know, is at the is the pathway to human connection. And human connection is the source of healing of all conditions of all types. As a physician, this is what I have found, is that it's not only a prerequisite, it's actually the um, ingredient necessary for a healing of nearly all conditions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you think about somebody then uh, who has, um, you know, made decisions that have resulted in, you know, the atrocities being, you know, uh, committed... Uh, you know, Putin, whatever these really controversial figures. Yeah. Um, how, how do you how do you see what's going on inside the mind of someone like that, who who's right? You know, p p popular uh, opinion certainly in the West would be unacceptable behaviour, um, <coughs> tyrant, etc., etc., etc. Is is there somebody? Um, is is there somebody there in the same way that we, we were talking earlier, who, who's basically been hurt, wounded, whatever it might be, um, who who needs help and love, or is there somebody there that and, you know that needs to be, um, you know, punished for what they're doing? Yeah, it, it can be both sides, I suppose. You know, this idea of what you know needing punishment that starts actually, you know, that starts uh, nudging up against a different, you know, a philosophy. Whether people respond to punishment is a whole different concept here. True, true. But um, the the idea is is that is there a is there a human being behind Vladimir Putin? Is there a human being behind Adolf Hitler? Are there a human being behind these atrocity producers? And the answer is, of course, there's a human being there, and of course they have been injured, and of course they need to be heard, and of course they want that more than anything, and that's how they rose to the top. And you, we all can, in for, unfortunately, we all can relate to these people. There's a part of us that understands, you know. And if you look at the history of of some of the tyrants, or some of the dictators, or some of the people who have caused massive damage in the world over time some of the leaders that we uh, attribute massive, you know, global damage to, 
they have stories that really actually, you know, show that they got to be who they got to be uh, fairly honestly, you know, that that's like, if you would have been them the whole time, you would have become them too. Like, you know, it's not like the, the experiences that they had or the rejections that they had really got in the way of what they needed as a human. And like all of us do, which is simply to be heard for who we really are. Yeah. Wow. So what's this got to do with uh, with health then? Because a lot of what we've spoken about has been uh, about kind of uh, <laughs> the, the way people respond to and, and act in, you know, in, in interactions with each other. Uh, how does that yeah. play into to health and, and healing as you describe it? Well, yes, I think that when you're dis when you're disconjugate with yourself, when you're, you know, when you're um, inconsistent with who your true self is there's a discord there's a out of tune there's an uh an, you know unharmonizing there's an uh, there's a lack of resonance and in that lack of resonance there's a fair degree of 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 um of dis-ease if you will that gets created in that way if you can't really be with yourself if you can't be consistent with yourself you live a life of duplicity. And in that life of duplicity, you can get a split. You can get, there's nothing healthy about that, you know? And how do I know that? It's like what you said, when you wake up in the morning and you're actually consistent with yourself, you get to live on those fumes all the way through lunch so that you have done something good. You have contributed to society or if you contributed to the forwarding your life. And that's because you were aligned with yourself. Misalignment with oneself is at the source of most all um, diseases and all unhealthiness. There's some degree of misalignment or imbalance that takes place. So this is one of those sort of natural phenomena that if you can be balanced and aligned with yourself, it's a pathway towards health. The other thing is in human connection. So as you and I are trying or working, working here or, or do, probably doing pretty well to connect, one of the ways that we're doing it is we're resonating with each other. But the only way that we can resonate with each other is our tuning fork has to be fairly pure. I need to be resonating at a certain level of vibration that you can count on so that you can resonate with me in our conversation and interaction. So the only way to have my tuning fork pure is to make sure that I'm have cleaned it up and that it's actually at a tone or at a vibration at a frequency that is pure and consistent with who I am, whatever level of frequency that is. And that's what creates health. And now the opportunity is that human connection at the source of all healing is something that is not um, it's ancient thought, ancient idea that the connection between the healer and the healing is um, at the heart of whether or not there should be any actual um, advancement towards healing. And so the, the clinician, or you should say that maybe the, you could say the provider has an opportunity to connect with that person who is feeling um, diseased or feeling imbalanced. And a way to do that is to be connected with oneself. And the only way to be connected with oneself is to be authentic with the delivery system of your own uh, communication. Mm. And I can see how that all fits together. I mean, where does this uh, connection in inside oneself, if you like, uh, originate from? Is it in is it in the, the the mind? Is it in the body? Is it in the heart? Where where, where does it start? Well, I don't know that those things are all different. The mind and the body and the heart, you know, those are ways that we have compartmentalized what it is to be a human, that there's mind, body, heart, spirit, et cetera. 
So I don't know that it emanates from any particular place. I will say this. I think that the heart is, you know, the heart, maybe not, maybe even the organ of the heart uh, seems to have some essential space here. Not, you know, I don't know if the pumping um, heart itself with the, you know, chambers and the outlets and the valves, I'm not sure if that organ itself is the, is the organ most responsible for connection. But I will say that, you know, this this goes back a long time, you know, even prior to our good friend William Shakespeare, this whole idea of a heartache, you know, of it coming from a heart and that relationships and love come from the heart. Um, it, so I would say that, you know, if you're going to resonate with yourself, you're going to feel that and you're going, you know, the access to it might be a little bit more from the heart than from the, um, uh, you know, mind, body, and spirit. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I read recently, and uh, uh, forgive me, I can't remember <laughs> where, that the, 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 the heart sends nine times more messages to the brain than, than the other way around. Have you, have, you, have you heard that or read that? I haven't heard that exact stat, but that makes sense. Okay, okay. Because that's quite interesting for me, because uh, if you put me on Jung's uh, wheel of, uh, you know, heart, heart versus head, introvert versus extrovert, that, that kind of model, then I, I'm, a, I'm an extroverted feeler. So, so, so for me, that kind of makes sense, because I feel like I'm more in tune with, with, with how I feel, and that plays more into the kind of decisions that I make. Now, I have to dial up more of that kind of thinking type energy, if you like, to make decisions um, perhaps in a slightly different way than perhaps my instinct might take me to, because, you know, not always it's not always true that my emotions stroke feelings are going to take me down the road that I really want to go down. Uh, but, um, but yeah, so, but, but that makes sense to me, but to a, to a, to a thinker, they might see it the other way around, I guess. What, what do you think? Yeah. So I think or might, you know, I think or likes to think that thinking is the way to get through the world, right. Then they're somehow not as heartfelt and the idea that they get caught up in their head or caught up in their mind, and we both know how to think. It's very clear that, you know, in order to get through school and in order to get through any level of higher education, you have to use that thinking self. But uh, thinking gets me in more trouble than my heart does. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I can think my way into some pretty dark spaces fairly quickly and, um, you know, really come up with some calamities or for some, you know, doomsday predictions that come from my thinking about what what the future of my personal life is or what the future of the planet is or what the future of any kind of, you know, uh, interactions might turn out to be. Mm. And um, I, you know, I like to, I could say, I like to think, but, you know, I like to believe that, um, that there's a flow that we can have access to somehow that uh, allows us to even supersede either the mind or the heart and to be involved with life and, frequency and vibration of what's here with us so that we can interact effectively in that from that flow mm. and that from there is the healthy natural way of um, interacting and being with ourselves and then thereby being with others it's interesting because because uh, i definitely feel similarly to you that that, that fear emanates from my head uh, so uh, i might get a physical feeling of fear but I kind of get the sense of that that follows a thought. That's kind of I don't know if that's one hundred percent of the time, but it feels like that that's kind of what happens to me. And then right. if I'm trying to then uh, you know 
digest that, understand that fear. Uh, say, for example, I'm about to go on stage and 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 talk. Uh, maybe I I get that feeling of kind of you know fear or or whatever it might be, and then I and then and then then that plays in, and then I I breathe, and that helps to calm me down, and then I say actually you know this is excitement, this isn't fear, and um, we're good to go. So uh, there's a kind of a process that happens, and that's just kind of one example. Um, so in a way. Yeah, it feels like in a way, sort of the 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 the, brain, the the heart sends lots of lots of messages to the brain, but the brain has got a, got a very very strong voice in all of this and can kind of real kind of overtake things unless you intentionally take the step to kind of quieten that that mind and uh, you know in a way br almost breathe into your heart to just 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 calm it down. And that's how it works for me. Um, how does it work for you? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think there's a you know, for me, I, I recently had a pretty major heart event. I had a medical emergency 12 weeks in, uh, I don't know, a little bit more than 12 weeks ago, okay. where my the pathway out of my heart called the aorta actually blew up. It actually exploded. It actually, I had a dissecting ruptured aortic aneurysm. Wow. And, you know, 10 feet away, right behind me here is where it happened. And, all you know, I was left to die. Basically, I would have... Um, I had a choice. I could either call for emergency or die right there. And those were my only two choices at that point. And, you know, I, uh, my wife and I have had discussions about that, about what level of that was energetic, you know, what rather than simply physiological, mm. was there a place for me that maybe I'm not expressing my love in some particular area or expressing it in, in inauthentic ways? And could that have contributed to my, uh, the pathway of my heart, you know, the pathway out of my heart blowing up? So, you know, the, the, we're so unfamiliar with all the energies that take place and what it means to be alive. Mm -hmm. We uh, pretend to know something about how that all works. And the truth is, we don't have a clue about how any, any of this works, you know, and uh, especially when you start getting out into the energetics or the mysticals, yeah. us uh, civilized Western, uh, Western thinkers and Western beers, you know, in Western Europe and in uh, North America, really have become self-righteous about what we think we know about what it is to be human and what, you know, what we take as fact and what we take as honest truth. Yeah. And there's nothing honest truth or fact about what we know at all. And we don't know anything about how, you know, holographic or how energies or emotions really are generated and which comes first. And we have a certain thinking process that has this need explanations we're addicted to making meaning out of things and then then the only way to understand that is to actually create answers that are binary in nature or that are you know flow and answer questions in ways that we'd be satisfied mm. and you know the, it's a very limiting way to look at the um comprehensive nature of what it really means to be alive in this crazy world right right well and how how are you now are you are you are you okay now I am. I, I'm, I'm healing right now. You know, I have, thank you for asking. I'm walking around every day. Everything is working. Here I am at a podcast. I'm up, you know, I'm upscaling my own business and um, putting together uh, courses and putting together masterminds and having great conversations with people all day and, you know, eating well and sleeping well and uh, loving well. And uh, really, I see this as a gift, um, you know, for some reason, the greater force, you know, uh, the maker, you know, left me here to do something. And maybe that was in some no small part to be on podcasts and to uh, really remind people that um, 
what we all want more than anything else is to be connected to other humans. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I'm I'm really really glad you're here. So uh, thank you. So yeah, yeah, that's 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 uh, that's amazing, and um, and I wish you a full and speedy recovery. Um, but, but but what but what you say is 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 really fascinating as well because that whole thing about uh, you know pe- people talk about experiences where um, where 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 that they lose loved ones and they feel they've lost them to a broken heart and there's not necessarily a physiological uh you know reason for that there is a that, that literally their heart is broken and and that organ which is essentially look at it from a kind of a mechanical point of view it's a pump right um that so so look at it versus this kind of love energy if you like that that, that seems to emanate from there i suppose you know, is it an accident? An accident that the way it's spoken about and people people talk about it, it that the sort of the physical thing and the kind of you know uh, 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 rhetorical, metaphysical, whatever analogous thing about being a heart uh, is the same thing. I mean, I guess they could have picked any organ, couldn't they, to draw that association to love with? But the heart <laughs> is the one they picked. Yeah, the heart is the one that they picked, and they're not the only culture. You know, this is, goes back into many different cultures, many different sources where the heart is seen as the organ of love, you know, more than anything else, or the organ of togetherness or the organ of um, intuition, or, you know, the organ of just uh, um, like a, like a truth, like a core, like a centrality. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Even in the chakras, you know, the heart has that space as well. Okay. Uh, so if you, I, from what I understand, I'm no expert here on chakras, but I think the heart is, if I recall, is the fourth chakra. And, um, uh, you know, that, and that is its intention as well as to emanate a, a truthful value. Mm-hmm. And our listeners out here who were ready to malign me for mis for fumbling that up, please, uh, please pardon me. No, oh, that's okay. Well, we can, we're open to feedback, right? That's, 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 that's the exactly. important thing. And I think that's the, and again, it's a, it's a point that you've already made really. So the, really we should give you a break on that, which is, you know, if you, if you say something and you, and you, you believe it to be uh, the case, uh, but you know, you've already put in a massive caveat to say, look, there's lots of stuff about life that we don't know. So, you know, so I think you're in the clear, Dr. Fred, okay, from that good. point of view. Good. Yeah, exactly. Thank exactly. So, so, so when you've, when you've, when you're working with your clients, then how um, specifically do you help them to, 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 to navigate this? Well, what, what does a typical kind of client or customer journey look like for, for somebody that you serve? Yeah, so this is a good question. Um, you know, in the past, I've been a psychiatrist, which had me being a clinician. People would come to my office and they'd want to get a diagnosis and they'd want to get a treatment so that they could somehow be confirmed that there's something wrong with them and then at least contain whatever their symptoms were. And I did decades of that kind of work where I wrote a bunch of prescriptions always against my better judgment. So I wrote over 100,000 prescriptions in my career and each and every one of them was a little bit of a heartache each and every one of them was a little bit of a soul sacrifice. So these days, what I do with my customer journey is I help people by, you know, they, they might read my book, find your true voice, or they might take my course called the true voice course, which really helps them sort of clean up the cobwebs or the rust or the dust that has gotten over their true self and begin to take incremental steps to speaking their true self. Now, ultimately, whatever problem they show up with, whether it's um, a problem at work or they're not getting their promotion or not being heard or um, being you know, kicked around by their boss 
or a problem at home that they might be having with their spouse or they might be having with their children or they might be having with their health or the welfare or their finances. Um, ultimately, there's a level of inauthenticity that's at the core of that. So I help people, again, become true and honest with what's really going on in their real life and then make steps in general to um, to move that needle forward. So I'm a one-to-one coach and I also have a mastermind. So if you come into the, my world via my course, the True Voice course, which you can find at truevoicecourse.com, you're also get an invitation to come to the mastermind where there are people there with like-minded who are working and playing and using all sorts of creative methods to self-express find their true self and then bring it out to the world where they're eagerly awaiting people, you know, ready to listen to you. Yeah. yeah, That's incredible. And so, and so what kind of um, ways do you encourage people to experiment with expressing themselves? So there's a, that's a really good question too. And there are some uh, easier ways than others. So for instance, uh, you sometimes use something called mirror work where you actually go to the mirror and look at that person in the mirror and then say something entirely different than what you've said before make an incremental change with yourself and look at your person in the mirror and see how they respond. Like actually get that that's, an, that's another person over there. That's you. Um, so that's one way. Another way is to take steps, you know, listen to somebody like you've never heard them before and then take steps to start saying things that you wish you would have said before without taking giant leaps, like little small incremental steps in telling someone that you love them or telling something you know, uh, letting them know how you feel about a particular issue that's been dogging at you, uh, you know, and doing so with respect. Again, it's very important that you not just, you know, climb to the mountaintop and scream at the very top of your lungs how much you hate your mother-in-law. That's not that's not necessarily true voice. There's an opportunity to take simple steps forward and to express oneself in ways that are closer to your truth. And then once that starts happening, once you get a cascade there, once you start getting a, a little bit of momentum, it can become quite addicting to, um, you know, one of the things about saying the truth is you don't have to always remember what you told somebody. Like all of a sudden, all you have to do is say the truth and you don't have to recall which lie you told to the last person. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty empowering. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and so, what about? Um, uh, uh, I suppose if you're if you're going to take the first step, you know, you've been a certain way for many, many years, perhaps in a relationship with somebody, and you're going to take that first step. Um, how do you mm-hmm. advise people to, to 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 take that first step? Because sometimes that can be the hardest one, I guess. Yeah. Again, I, 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 the idea is is to first come to grips with it. The idea that. You don't want to go to your grave with your song still in you. You just don't. You know, it's probably the greatest tragedy out there. Like you start looking at the alternative. What happens if you never actually speak yourself? Mm. What happens if you never actually express that person who you really are forward? You get to then live an inauthentic life and go to the grave with no one ever knowing you. So you start looking at the downside of what it is if you don't do anything. And that's one thing. And then Again, taking simple steps, like acknowledging that you're out of line with yourself, acknowledging that you are muffled, you are stifled, you are silenced, you are altering yourself, your core values in order to fit in. And it's not working anyways. It's that's the whole thing is not only is it a preposterous, ludicrous, absurd way of considering how to live life, it's not even effective. I mean, if it was effective, I could at least give it a little vote, you know, but it doesn't even work anyways. Yeah. 
So the idea is to really, you know, be honest with yourself that you have something to say to these people. Maybe you haven't told your wife a particular thing that you've wanted to for years and years. And you're aware of that. It sits in your craw. You know, there's a there, you're, you have a you have a knowledge of where in life you're not being consistent with your truth. Mm-hmm. And what's the most common fear or are there one or two most common fears that you, 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 you know, your clients present? Um, and, uh, and again, are, are there any first steps that anyone can take to begin to conquer those or that, that biggest fear or most common? Again, fear? a great question. I think the most common fear is that I'm going to cause more problems than it's worth. Mm. That it's not worth it. I'm not going to be heard for what I really mean. Mm. And people are going to dislike me or uh, make it so that I no longer belong. You know, it k- kick me off the island or, or dismiss me or cancel me. People are totally afraid of being thrown out of the family or thrown out of the group. And, uh, you know, the best way to really manage that is to take simple incremental steps, realizing that if you start speaking your truth more than again, more than likely, we are so totally interested in authenticity as humans. So when you start saying your real truth, if you've been an automaton or you've been a robot for a long time and, or been a, you know, silent when you've had plenty to say and you start speaking your real truth, you're going to draw attention. There's going to be people who are really curious about who is that real person there because they know that you've been blocked and bundled up, you know, this whole time. And so, again, you make incremental small steps in a direction that's consistent with yourself and you start getting some momentum in that direction. And that in and of itself can be so rewarding that you find yourself taking bigger and bigger steps in that direction. Mm-hmm. And, what, and what's the biggest fear that, that you yourself have had to conquer in order to be able to find your true voice? Yeah, my biggest fear is that the world is that I have a background notion that um, the world is not ready for truth. And that if I speak my truth, the people who are purveyors, the nefarious people who are purveyors of untruths are going to come and get me. Like somehow the truth is, you know, that there's a group of people out there who the last thing they want to hear is the truth. And that those people will somehow be dangerous to me. Like I'll have my knees cut out from under me. They're going to come get me because I had the audacity to speak truth and that I'm going to get in trouble by speaking the truth, which I think is just a an extension of the same fear that we're talking about with everybody else. Right, right, right. And, and so where, where does that fear come from, do you think, for, from your point of view? And, and how do you uh, uh, over, overcome it, if that's the right word? Right. Um, I think the fear comes, again, from a long history. It comes from childhood. Um, you know, there's uh, this idea that you know, the bad people or the, the wrong people running the world, or, you know, you've spoken your truth at various times and had your heart broken, or you've spoken your truth and been, you know, and been um, uh, muzzled or stomped on or whatever. And so when that happens, uh, there's a, I think a generalization that likely happens, like the world is a dangerous place. And if I speak my truth, even if it's going to fall on the um, opposite side of the dangerous people who are running the world, and they're going to want to snuff me out with, for my truth. And so there's, I think there's stories out there for, you know, like whistleblowers or whatever, who uh, speak their truth and then get, you know, and then get squashed. And I think we're all afraid that somehow the truth isn't really welcome, when in fact, the truth is simply the truth. It's not you know, it's not anything to hide from. It's simply the way life is. And so can, can we find the courage to speak the truth is the question. Mm-hmm. 
And I suppose I hope, uh, I hope that answers your. It, it, it does. It does answer the question. I mean, you've answered it in in a kind of a in a kind of a, a, a like a general way, in a way more perhaps slightly more than specifically to you. But but I, I guess I guess it flows through from if your if your fear is about you know potentially there being recriminations on you personally uh, for uh, for for speaking your truth, then right. Um, I guess I guess it would it would help to to, to understand if you just. Um, you know, when it comes to actually then saying it, you know, do you have to do self-talk? Do you have to think, well, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, you know, what, what are the kind of, what are the kind of things that you say to yourself to help you to just speak your truth anyway? Well, the idea is, is that speaking an untruth is ineffective. It's not, a, it's an ineffective protector. Okay. So either way, I'm going to be dismissed and either way, I'm going to be canceled and either way, I'm going to create haters or just or, you know, detractors. So the idea is, is that even even pretending to speak the untruth to protect myself, not only is it a very poor strategy, but it's ineffective. And when I can get to that point that it didn't even protect me, it doesn't even really protect me then I got a choice. I can either be unprotected and not speak truth or be unprotected and speak truth. <laughs> and uh, I, then, then I can actually choose to speak truth. Well, that, and that is so powerful because actually, in a way, people are going to judge you whether you say something or not. Uh, uh, but, but that judgment is going to be so short-lived because generally speaking, people, and, and I totally believe this, people are so much more worried about themselves than they are about anybody else. Exactly. Uh, the, exactly. The, the, so it's, much more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so what question should I have asked you, Dr. Fred? I think you did great. I think, you know, maybe um, I, I, I don't really know, you know, there's, we didn't get uh, deeply into who I was as a psychiatrist and, you know, how I learned like one of the big truths, which is that diagnoses and medications um, often perpetuate the symptoms they're marketed to treat. And that's what really altered who I became as a doctor. Okay. So I, you know, that was like a big truth to f sort of come up with the idea that maybe I was self-perpetuating my conditions of my clients. And for me, that was the big greatest example that launched me into Welcome to Humanity and then True Voice was the idea of really disrupting the narrative of what mental health and mental illness is. So I suppose we could have gone down that road. I'm a, I'm a okay. I'm entirely okay that we did not. And if people want to learn a little bit more about who I am, they can find me on my website. My most recent website development is very cool. It's called drfred360.com. So that's drfred360.com. And you can find out everything I'm up to at that website and really, um, really explore how I got to be who I got to be by looking at uh, different, you know, different aspects of my development. Yeah, sure. Okay, but you know, at a high level, that is fascinating. You've 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 piqued my interest now. Uh, so, um, so at a high level, what was it? You saw something that was not right in the way that conventional medicine treats right. people. And yeah, I did. So I went into the field because I really wanted to learn. I really wanted to bring human connection to psychiatry because it was already becoming it was already becoming uh, biological and that wasn't working for me. Yeah. And then later on in 2006, I began to take people off of medicine and actually see that off of medicine, people did way better than they did on medicine. Yeah. And I started to see that the diagnosis and the treatment were actually perpetuating the symptoms and in fact, often causing the original diseases. And that little um, piece had me concerned about how conventional psychiatry would take me on if I would explore and expose that. And so that's a little bit where the, you know, this idea that some 
big squasher would come around and, and, you know, step on me might take place, but that did not happen. So here I am right now. That's great. And, um, uh, having made the transition to a, to, to an effective transformational coach. Fantastic. And so I've got, I've got two more questions, if that's okay. Uh, so the sure. first, so the first question is, uh, what is your biggest concern for the future of humanity? My biggest concern for the future of humanity is that the greatest threat for humanity is that we are not speaking our true voice. So there's a lot of calamities out there. We talked about COVID. We talked about climate change, talked about racism. We talked about, you know, sex trafficking a little bit. We, I guess we didn't, but that's another one or what the war in Ukraine or who's going to win the election. And these are all really big things. But without having honest to goodness, open discourse, we're not going to get to the other side of any of those. So the greatest threat in the world is this, if we as a community become entirely muffled and become status quo to not speak our true self and instead, you know, continue to just go through the motions, then uh, the human race is just done. It's mm. over. Mm. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's that's a big concern. So I think that's my number one concern about the future of the, the humanity. Okay. And what's your greatest hope? My greatest hope is that artificial intelligence and some of the technology that we have developed over time that is coming up hard and fast around us um uh, that we will that the right people in the right hands will keep their um keep their mitts on the uh the pulleys and levers to make sure the handles you know to make sure that this moves us into the next era we're about to go through some important evolutionary revolutionary times uh economically and interpersonal you know inter internationally and all sorts of areas and the hope is that uh, not only that human beings do what they've always done in, in big challenges, and that is live through the difficult times and um, improve and um, enhance themselves and into the next level. Fantastic. Well, and Dr. Fred, we're going to need our health and we're going to need our true voice to be able to navigate ourselves exactly. as a species through these challenges. So, exactly. so so thanks ever so much for coming on on People With Purpose. Uh, this this show is is People With Purpose. It's called People With Purpose. So so my, my final question is, what advice would you give to somebody who, who wants to unlock and follow uh, the purpose of their life, but they, they don't feel like they're quite getting it. Well, I think again, the, the access here is maybe there's nothing wrong with you. And maybe the real you out here is what's really being counted on the, the, the part of you that you think isn't ready to be heard. Maybe that's what needs to be heard. And, you know, maybe there's nothing wrong with you. Maybe you don't have a condition. Maybe you're not defective and not deficient. And if you really want to come on with your purpose, you're going to have to be able to express it at some level. And the closer you can get to expressing your purpose, the closer you can do to actually planning, implementing, and then taking a, taking the proper actions that are consistent with your core purpose. Fantastic. Brilliant. So where can people get hold of you, Dr. Fred? So the best way to get a hold of me is at that website I just said, which is drfred360.com. And you can see everything about me. You can see there's a bunch of freebies on that site. There's all my uh, social media handles. I like hanging out on LinkedIn. And uh, Facebook, I suppose, is my second favorite, but far behind LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can also get copies of different articles I've written for uh, Psychology Today, or uh, you can get access to the courses I have, the True Voice course or the Healing the Healer course, as well as books that I've written that um, you can get the PDFs or actually order the real book. Fantastic. Well, look, I'm so, so pleased that you're still with us and been able to uh, do this thanks. interview. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, keep on going. It sounds like you're doing some amazing work. And thanks ever so much Thank for coming you. on People With Purpose. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's really been a wonderful joy. Thanks. You've been great, great interview. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. 
Thanks for listening to People With Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, Tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye.